next on the You Ain't Nothing Yet podcast, we have a very funny individual. So funny, he's actually an RMA fan. From Perth to the Orchard County, he's told jokes everywhere. He's played festivals and local clubs from Limelight to Laveries and even does a wee bit of drumming as well. Very talented individual indeed. A fellow ginger and a solo show just around the corner. Doran Matthews, how are you? I'm good. I should get you to write all of my like little blurbs. You know? <laughs> See when people ask you if we're doing a gig, like, can you send us a bit of info? I'm so embarrassed typing those up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like you don't want to sell yourself, do you know? Yeah, which is why I'm a comedian in the first place. Okay. Like I want atten- I want attention, but I'm shy. So, yeah. uh, I think there was also, a- by the way, can I just start on a very serious, serious topic as well? Being an RMA fan is actually a recognised mental illness. I'll have you know. so, uh, <laughs> Well, I've, after last I've, weekend. It... <laughs> yeah, I have an application in the dome to get cash for that. So we'll see. <laughs> I think the, the best thing I got out of it was a near viral tweet where I put up a photo of me in my jersey just saying, are we the are we the England of Gaelic penalty shoots? <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't like Gaelic games, you don't give a shit about that. So I do apologise. Very true. Very true. So we'll move swiftly on. <laughs> For anybody that doesn't know you, tell me a little bit about yourself. What are you up to? How would you sort of describe your comedy? Uh, my name is Darren, 37 years old, from Bestbrook in County Armagh. Uh, my style of comedy, I've been doing it for about 12 years. Observational, talking about my travels and my adventures. More so my misadventures, because they're usually funnier. <laughs> nobody nobody in comedy wants to hear about what a great time you had. They want to hear about what a dickhead you are, because then it makes them feel better. And I'm more than happy to do that. So that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my style of comedy, just being like, you think you're an idiot. What do you hear what I did? <laughs> so you yeah. just you get yourself into funny situations in general then uh yeah usually not not sometimes without even trying it's a <laughs> it's a real lack of skill so <laughs> i do a bit of political stuff I, I talk about you know real life family friends the whole deal so i suppose being from here you can't really not do the odd political joke uh being from here it's, i mean it's sometimes too easy you have <laughs> yeah. people that people do stuff where you wouldn't even dream it up mm. like uh i'm not sure i'm not sure when this is going out but the current news story is that Gene Simmons from Kiss is calling for Storm at the Reform. Oh my God. I was I heard this on the radio this morning and I was like, hold on. Ian Paisley Jr., free Presbyterian with what would be called probably the devil incarnate or one of the devils of rock music. And like it just it exploded my mind this morning when I heard it in Good Morning Ulster. Mad. Yeah, I have I have a joke about it for the night, so I'm I'm uh... <laughs> That's going, that's going up with tonight's gig because I wrote it today. I sent it to my mate and I was like, I'm just sending you this because I need to remember this. I'll forget this for later. So <laughs> text him the joke and I'll, I'll remember it later on then. So that's I love, I love it. I love it. Well, I suppose I need to ask you, where did it all start? Were you the funny one in your house at home or was it, you know, your dad comes in from work and makes a joke or your ma just has wee snippy comments or was it a sibling or a friend or a cousin or what was the crack? No, no, it's very simple. I have three brothers and I'm the worst at sport. So I had to find my place in the world. That was it. <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah, I have uh, I have two older brothers and a younger brother and they're, they're all great sportsmen and mm. I play drums and that sort of stuff. So attention-seeking middle child, basically, I think is the is what my therapist keeps telling me. So Fair. that's that's kind of where it started off. I, I'm only joking. I'm a stand-up comedian. I can't afford a therapist. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know that, that's sort of where it started. Uh, I did a bit of a bit of sort of like amateur dramatics when I was younger. Mm-hmm. My mum formed a, like an amateur dramatic society in like the little village we're from. Not specifically for you, no, Darren, was it? Not just for me. I, <laughs> they've, been doing it, they've been doing it for years before I finally passed audition to get a part. <laughs> yeah, at 11 years old, they told me I wasn't going to be fit to play the lead as a 35-year-old man. So I just had to wait until there, <laughs> there was a play that had children in it. So it wasn't too bad. Fair enough, fair enough. And then... When you were growing up, I think, you know, anytime I speak to comics, they always talk about one or two legendary comics that, you know, would have been on constantly in their house that their ma and dad liked or that they watched secretly in their bedroom or, you know, they were able to sort of, obviously we didn't have social media the way we have now. 
Was there anybody that was just like, this motherfucker is hilarious? Uh, two people, Billy Connolly and Dave Allen. So Billy Connolly, my dad loved him. Everybody in the house loved him, even though it was, you know, 18 plus on the VHS. <laughs> there was there was worse shit going on, I said, at that time yeah. in the country. So they were just like, I, what you, I don't mind you saying fuck, but uh, <laughs> turn that news over. So <laughs> it was one of those situations where, um, yeah, I loved that. And I loved all the old uh, all the old Dale Valley stuff. I think I appreciated it a lot more because I, I laughed at the funny jokes when I was younger. Mm. But now you understand how well-written stuff was, the sketches, the jokes, like his criticism of the church and stuff. We just couldn't do that when he was doing it. So, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Dave Allen, and for the, even for just for the storytelling, mm. him and Billy Connolly were, were in our house and that, that sort of, I don't know, not, I mean, not consciously made me want to go, I want to do that for a living because I didn't want to do that for a living. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't start comedy till I was 25. Uh-huh. So it was just a creative outlet. I was playing music before that and playing in bands and traveling and having a great old time. And this was just, comedy then became something that facilitated what I love to do. I think I, I don't think I want to be a comedian. I think I want to permanently be traveling and comedy lets me do it. That's yeah, yeah, theory. yeah. <laughs> but it's not what they say, though. Find a job that lets you do the things you really love doing. And, you know, if you're a comic and you're able to travel across the world and people are willing to come and watch you in a show or whatever, I mean, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, from a young age, I always agreed that I wanted to be drunk at work. So this was, this was the perfect <laughs> way to do it. Actually, not not get sacked. I got made redundant this year from, from like, my real people job. And right. it was the first time in my life I've ever, like, got sacked or let go. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is traumatic. <laughs> I think it, it would have been better to do it when I was like a teenager. You know, people be yeah. like, ah, McDonald's sacked me or I got, I got chucked out of like the local shoe shop or something. Yeah, I yeah, should have done yeah. that when I was younger to be like, this will harden you when this happens. <laughs> Hot me when I'm 37. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God, I feel personally insulted at all. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, a, I'm an accidental full-time comedian. What is going on? <laughs> you mentioned there about music and I noticed you do a bit of drumming. So yes. was that just another creative outlet as a younger person? Do you still do it now? Do you still do playing any bands? What's the crack there? We actually had a bit of a, a reunion with one of my bands. It's from about 20 years ago. So right. I used to play in a punk band, this, which was based in Warren Point in County Down, mm-hmm. uh, not too far from my house, about 15 minutes away. I used to play drums in a punk band called Too Fat for Porn. That was the actual <laughs> name of the band. Oh, <laughs> yes. What a yes. name. I love it. Yes. And one of our um, one of our guitar players was a guy called Bob Love, and nobody ever believes that that's his real name, but it actually is. <laughs> right. So uh, we, we, play, we were in the band, and... I think, same again, I didn't really get into music until I was about 16. I started to work with a, uh, a guy who's now a lifelong friend, a dude called Stevie Miller. And like our first day of work in Dunn stores when I was like 16, <laughs> he's like, like, what do you do for fun? I was like, play football, play hurling. That's kind of it. He was like, what music are you into? And I was like, don't know. He's like, what? What do you mean you fuck? don't know? <laughs> so he came back the next day with like a stack of CDs. CDs, right. children, Google that. <laughs> um Give me the stack of CD, you take that away and have we listened to it. And I just went away and he ruined my life, basically. But he's a good lad. <laughs> well, I always say that the one song that, you know, brought me into... Now, my dad had loved music or whatever. And I, you know, sort of took my, my beat off him. But there was one song that dropped me into real love of music. And it was a song about a prostitute. Rocks on by the police. Oh, know? what a tune, by the way. I, it just was... I remember... Do you remember LimeWire? Yes. You know, so if anybody doesn't know what LimeWire is, it was a legal downloading site, let's be honest, yeah. And I remember downloading Roxanne and thinking, this is just the best. You know, that big loud, Roxanne, and then silence. And then it just was like, what is this? You know? So good. Also a very dangerous drinking game for anybody who Oh, it and um, You Shook Me All Night Long, apparently. You know, they'll be up there, you know. Because um, isn't this? Oh no, Thunderstruck maybe. Sorry, Thunderstruck. Where they say Thunderstruck so many times, like they say Roxanne. But if you get the solo in Thunderstruck, you're fucked. Oh, Thunderstruck's a drinking game as well. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I'm gonna give that a go because I know Vince. I've seen his live <laughs> a few times. I'm gonna give that a blast. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. But no, I don't know. But my eldest brother not really into music. My the next guy up from me, my brother mm-hmm. Declan, massive music fan. He was very lucky. Now he he hit sort of he hit kind of 15, 16 right in the middle of Britpop. So he got like a waste and blur. And then a few years later, I got Limp Bizkit. I got basically, I got fucked over basically. <laughs> so, yeah. He got like the whole Britpop movement and all that stuff, which was amazing. And then I I was like, here, you have new metal. I was like, all right. See how we go from there. <laughs> you definitely get the raw end of the day there, like, let's be honest. You know? mm-hmm. So can you remember the first time you done comedy on stage? Can you tell me about that if you can remember? Yes. The first gig was in the Pavilion Bar in Belfast, which is where most, most people start off. Yeah. Yep. Good friend of mine. Like... Yeah. Good friend of mine, Andrew Johnson. Andy's the singer and drummer in a band called The Dangerfields. I did a bit of touring with them when I was younger. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to try comedy. I think you should give it a go. Right. So you had to have seven minutes of material. Fuck. So I was seven's, like, okay, lo- seven's long enough. I done 10 minutes at a festival this time last year. Uh, my first ever gig. And I was like, fuck, you know. But anyway, sorry, continue on. 10 minutes for your first gig is, is tight going. Like that's mm. for plenty. I did seven and I wrote, it was just a load of kind of short jokes. And yeah. I did it. And the very first thing, obviously, you don't know this when you're starting out comedy, but the very first thing I did when I got on stage was I insulted the MC, which is incredible. As someone who MCs all the time, if somebody did that to me, I'd go back on stage and take the mic off him. <laughs> insulted the MC, told all my short jokes. First gig went fine, but I didn't mm. realize because so I, I went back to do my second gig. And I didn't know it's called a routine because you do it more than once. So every gig I went, I was, I, it took me about three or four gigs to realize you don't write new material every time. Uh-huh. You don't just do a joke once and chuck it. Yeah, you yeah. make it better. You develop it. You work it. Uh-huh. So I was. Have you ever seen that documentary, The Devil and Daniel Johnson, where he was re-recording his own albums? No, no. Go ahead. Yeah, it's this guy who basically is mentally ill, and uh-huh. when he, re- he would record an album, and then someone would go, "I really like that tape, Daniel. Can you can you make me one?" And he didn't know you could just record the tape. Right. So he he was a big Beatles fan and he was like, oh my God, how did they record Sgt. Pepper 26 million times? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So I was doing this with comedy. I was like, you mm. do a show and then you do another show. Mm. So the first gig went well. Second gig died in my arse and then I couldn't get on stage for about three months and then I did yeah. another one and it's been uh, it's been an absolute shit show ever since. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well no, that's not what I hear. Do you know what I mean? You've been yeah. booked on plenty of lineups. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do have a question. You said it was the second gig you died. Like, how I've done public speaking, I've done a little bit of stand up, I've been on stage, I've acted, and I know the feeling when you forget your fucking lines, or you know, somebody else forgets the lines and you try to improv for them, or you tell a joke, even tell a joke with your friends and it fucking bombs. How did that feel? How does that what's that feeling of just dying on stage like? The feeling of that is it's the human condition. People are only fascinated with that. The what do you do when it goes wrong? Ah. And it's a, it's, it's a horrible, it's a tightness in your chest. It's of course. A, a panic because with stand-up, your mouth is, sometimes you're not actually realizing what your mouth is doing because uh-huh. your brain's going, the next bit's this, the next bit's this. So sometimes you bum with your words or something. But when you say something and it, it gets nothing, at this point I'm long enough in now where you just kind of just wait a beat and they go, you know, just ah. pretend, it, pretend it wasn't a punchline. I keep going. <laughs> but the first few times that happens, you say something and it gets nothing. You, you can't, you give yourself away. It's all, it's all body language of like a, you know, like a, a panic of, yeah. you're supposed to laugh. Then. Yeah. Nobody liked it. Oh, shit. So, yeah. It's uh no, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. Comedy is such a highs and lows thing. Mm-hmm. When a kid goes well, popular world, when it goes low, 
you know, you're you're giving your mate your your belt and your shoelaces and be like, keep them away from me, man. <laughs> you're questioning your own self worth at that stage. Yeah. What was, I, what was I thinking? Thinking <laughs> I could do this. I suppose bringing bringing it on to that feeling with the audience, and I ask people who are musicians or who play in bands about the relationship they have with the crowd. Right. Some people are very nervous when they get on stage. Others you know, have this ritual before they go on. So if you're a sports person, you, you read about putting on a boot first or a glove first. And some comics are very, very well prepped. They have their script pretty much ready. They know when to pause and stop. Others write their, their stuff an hour before or at least pretend that they write their stuff an hour before. So how do you prepare on stage? So like, for example, you mentioned there with Gene Simmons, a joke came to you today, you wrote it down, you'll say it on stage tonight. But how do you prepare or like, do you need to have a paint before you get on? Do you need to go for a fucking run? Do you do a gym session? You know, what is there, is there any type of ritual or preparation? No, I mean, every gig's different. It's good to get down and watch the MC, see what he's doing, see who he's talked to. So you're not, you know, going over the same, <clears throat> you're not playing the same furrow kind of thing. Uh-huh. Do that. As for preparation wise, I just, I have it in my head of the couple of, I do a thing where I tell a couple of short jokes mm-hmm. to get, now get the crowd relaxed. But also definitely me. I I will look. I won't go into a longer pit, bit or a story until everybody's had a couple of chuckles. Yeah. yeah. The, the most nerve wracking part of any gig for me is when you walk up between your name being announced and the first laugh is the most tense I'll ever be. So once you get okay, okay. Once you get up there and they go hello everybody and then they're listening. Mm. Tell I try and get a first joke out. Like the second thing I say should be a joke. And then once they laugh, once I'm like, okay, we're dead on, and we'll we'll take on from there. So it's that wee bit of relaxation. Do you know what I mean? When you can when you can really get into it, you feel right. Okay, we're safe now. Let's rock and roll. It's a release of tension. It's it's mm. like a, an awkward situation. Somebody cracks a joke and it clears the air. Yeah. Is it? I suppose I remember going to a gig years ago, and somebody in the front row was steaming, and they were they were heckling the 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 MC, and the, the MC mm. put them down. And then they came, and then this other guy came out. He was pretty hilarious, and everybody was laughing his jokes. And they just kept heckling and heckling. Do you have a time in your head where you've just put a heckler in their box, put them flat in their back, and be like, you know what I mean? With with, with a one liner, with a crowd went mad, or or how how do you even deal with that? You know, because I know that when somebody's can feel like an attack. Do you know what I mean? Like you're up doing an art form, and you're trying to show your art, and you know what? Sometimes people don't get it, and that's fine. But somebody's directly attacking you at times when it's not a funny heckle. Sorry, it's the quickest art form to, re- to review, basically. Mm. You say something, nobody laughs. It's not funny. You know that kind of... Yeah. You go, oh, well, there, there's my review. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback, everyone. Yeah. So yeah. that happens. When somebody heckles as well, because I do a lot of MC work, I gauge... Well, obviously, I do it... Obviously, my brain's doing it quicker than I'm even thinking of it. I will gauge how mean to be in a put-down by how mean the heckle is. Right. So I'll never... Some people go up and they start talking or insulting the crowd. I don't do that. I'll chat to people, but I'll... Anything they're giving me feeding back wise, I'll I'll be quite friendly and welcoming about it because I uh-huh. have to. I'm supposed to be like, "Hey, welcome to the show. We're gonna have a great time." Yeah, yeah, I do that. But if somebody says something where I have to do like a harsher put down, I will. I'll uh, I'll get stuck in. So mm-hmm. I I can gauge. I can kind of gauge how if somebody's being a bit of fun or if they're being a dick, and then mm-hmm. I'll decide it. So so right here here's a question. So we have comics um who are at the peak of their powers. We'll take Jimmy Carr for example, right? And mm-hmm. his humor's dark. And he's made a lot of really dark jokes in the sale of comedy because we laugh at dark comedy. I like dark comedy. You might like it too. Yeah. But we're now at the stage, you know, people talk about cancel culture and the woke culture and, you know, what's okay to say and, you know, punching up instead of down and all this sort of thing. I remember doing a joke 
and it was about somebody writing to me on Grinder, right? And I was like, look, very politely said, you're really not my cup of tea. No, thank you. I'll chat to you later. Good luck. And he came back to me with this flurry of criticism. And when I got on stage, I told, I really went for this imaginary person. After I told the crowd what happened, right? Some people laughed. And then when I showed him a friend, my friend was like, if you were a bigger comic and more well-known, people would have come at you for things like fat shaming, for things like talking about somebody's physical appearance, for saying that somebody was ugly, for saying somebody had a weird voice. You know, so how do you know where the line is? Because the line now, the, the line now it can be very, can be probably scary if somebody's trying to make their living. No? Well, I think from that, it's the same thing. Some, something can be a split second decision when you say mm. something or if you don't say something. So yeah. it's a, I don't think I've said anything. I don't think I've said anything that would get me cancelled or where people would decide, you know, they're not go get the pitchforks and get the help. <laughs> the torches, lads. It's, yeah, yeah. it's not that way. I can have it where I, I, I mean, I, I started off doing gigs. Comedy when I started was not as it is now. People mm. are doing like big rooms and loads of, loads of crowds. That's not what it was like when we started. That batch of guys that started with me, we were talking 10 people in Castle Derg, you know, that kind of thing. And you're gigging just random places and trying different things. So it's sort of, it was like a real hard boot camp to do, but it sort of toughens you up as well that when somebody does heckle, mm. you can just, just straight away, you go, right, we'll see, we'll see what you think of this. Uh, so it's, um, I don't know, heckling probably, when anybody does it, and I've seen it on hundreds of gigs, heckling seems like such a good idea. And then, but people only think of one thing to say. Uh, the comedian's got 500 in the bank. Yeah. Uh, you have so, the ammunition ready to go back at somebody if they're, you know. Yeah, look, it's, it's a bit of a, a trick of the trade where we make it look mm. like it's it's been fired out, but of course, um, some sometimes you have something ready, or you can yeah. say who said that, or you have something ready, or you, it buy even if buys you a bit of time. Yeah. I'd actually really enjoy if somebody hits me with a good heckle that gets it, you know, or a big clap of the crowd. I let the person enjoy that. Aye, and it looks like oh he's he's being dead on here, but my brain's going right. What are we gonna fire back here? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just to buy me time. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And then I go, oh, you think that do you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <So, laughs> Down you go. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite? Joke. Maybe it could be one that you wrote. Maybe it could be one that you heard, perhaps with Billy Connolly or, or Alan. A joke, I've been doing a little throwaway one where when I said about getting up and doing a joke quickly to get it out, the yeah. new one I've been using since the last council election, I've uh-huh. been getting up and saying, just before we get started tonight, I want to congratulate anybody who voted for Sinn Féin. Just want to say congratulations. You're now the biggest political party in a country you don't even believe exists. So fair play. <laughs> I love it. So I love it. It's just an, it's a quick one, and yeah, yeah. Either it doesn't matter where you are, people get a laugh at that because yeah, it's it's got something for everybody kind of thing. So yeah, I've been doing that... that one, but stuff that I didn't write, I love Billy Connolly. There are no mirrors in the Serengeti. It talks about the lions and the wildebeest and stuff like that. That's one of my favorite things ever. Okay. And uh, Dave Allen talking about his first day at school, getting sent to the convent school because I went to a convent school, so I know what that's like. Is this, is this the, there's one about a nun walking down the street or something he has? It's a hilarious joke. I can't remember it all the top of my head. It's just so funny. He has one where he, he the one I'm on about is he gets told, told about being sent to school as a little boy. Right. And the, the, basically knocks at the, the, the convent door and the nun opens the door and she says, what are you doing? And he's like, I've been sent here to go to school. And she says, basically the short version is, are you going to be a good boy? I says, I looked in past her and there was a guy hanging on the wall. So I said, yeah, I'm going to be a good boy. <laughs> and that's now. That does the piece no justice. But no, it's one but, of my, it's one of my yeah. favorite bits, just because I, I have an understanding of it. So of course, it's good. But my favorite jokes, my set changes all the time, and then mm. I do the thing as well because I do some MC, and then you're doing different spots. Headliners thirty to forty. You're doing opening twenties. You're doing tens in the middle because mm. the set times change so much. I'll decide what's going to be story based, what's going to be short jokes, 
And then I think people think I'm writing new stuff when I'm not because I just jumble the order around. Of course, some yeah, people, mix things up. Some people do their set all the time the same way. Yeah. And my brain just doesn't work that way. I can't remember it that way. And I come off every gig going, you forgot to tell that joke. Uh, I yeah, I know. To, I forget yeah. to do something. Fair. Especially, especially newer stuff, getting newer stuff into the set is the hardest thing. You have to consciously go, tell that joke tonight. Stop forgetting that. <laughs> well, you know, go. You also run a podcast, a sports theme podcast, but with a comedy twist with, I think it is Jordan Robinson, is it? Yes. Jordan, so, Jordan brings the darkness and I, I bring the, the facts. The, so, the yeah. light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So where did this concept come from? I've seen you've, you've done a show in the uh, Sunflower. Uh, we were doing a show in the Sunflower, but that has, that has to be moved due to a uh, compatriot Jordan injured himself. So, uh, right. Yeah. Well, we'll just talk about my show in August for this one. And <laughs> we ever get that reorganized. Yeah. That one has to be, has to be moved. But Jordan, it was Jordan's idea. Jordan. And I think he, he's like, I want to do a sports podcast. The man's mad in sports and a lot of comedians just aren't. So uh-huh. I think he, he was trying to find somebody who, who kind of actually follows sport. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I love sport. I, I still play, even though mm. I'm too old to, but know. stuff like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, injury time was all, was, is totally Jordan Robinson's baby. I'm just there to help him out. So I, I take, I take no credit for the hard work that Nama puts in because he, for every episode, he reads at least two Wikipedia pages. So. Well, just out of curiosity, because I, you know, I haven't listened to it. I'm not going to like it. Come on here and pretend that it did. I haven't listened to it. For anybody that hasn't, what would you say it would entice them to go and go and check it out? We basically do it as a story of the week where Jordan will have a historical moment in sport and he'll go through it with me and we just bounce back and forward and have a great old time. Perfect. He'll bring in the facts and the jokes and then we'll, we'll just kind of work off each other. It's good fun. Okay. Jordan does a lot of improv too, so he's a great man to work with because you know, now he's like, that's your go. <laughs> you say the next bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make you look good here. Come on. So. <laughs> well, I did mention Sunflower and of course you've gigged in loads of other venues across the world and of course here in ireland northern ireland do you have a favorite gig that you've done in the past doesn't have to be the recent past but just one that stood out in your head was like the jokes went well the crowd was good i was i got a real buzz off it everybody was in good form it was a good night you know anything like that i well i host two monthly shows which i really enjoy because it, it makes me be less lazy because i have to write stuff current affairs stuff for every show uh-huh. so there's the sunflower and there's the panic station down in yuri which is uh-huh. the other show at McCoy's cafe Individual gigs, not like that, that I've done. I, when I was first starting, probably I was in about a year, I did a gig at a mine site in Australia that went better than I ever thought it could. At a mine? At a mine, at an actual mine. I did a tour of mines <laughs> when I was in about two years, when I lived out there. Favorite gig. I opened for, I opened for Paddy McDonald last year in the waterfront and that show was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Just big energy. Everyone's there to see parties, done so well, local fellas sell out the place and the crowd were just so up for it and there were so much crack. And I just, all I had to do was like the opening 10 and then bring on a support act and they were just the nicest bunch. Happy days, happy days. Mm-hmm. I love hearing things again. I love hearing, you know, sometimes people get down on Northern Ireland or just Irish people in general that, you know, we don't actually back each other as hard as we should. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, Darren's out there busting his balls trying to be funny, but Jack's over here on Twitter or with his mate saying, look at that stupid fucker. Do you remember him in school? He's fucking, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Sometimes I don't think we back each other enough, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's good, really good to hear that. But anyway, you mentioned earlier and or I had mentioned earlier as well, you lived in Australia for a while. You were in Perth. Yeah. Did lived you do in any- Australia, lived in New Zealand, lived in Canada. So I was all so over this. You've been about. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, my passport says I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, tell me this: Did you do any comedy out there? And if so, 
how did the Irish humour translate into? Yeah, I mean, being being sort of an observational kind of guy, the the humour translated great because even if you say something that's not that funny, you sound funny to them ah. anyway. So they're like, "Oh, this guy's great." So that 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 bought me a lot of leeway when I started. I'm not going to pretend that I was brilliant when I was there. I was doing <laughs> comedy a year when I moved there. Okay, and I, I got far too many opportunities that I shouldn't have out of skill level, but. No, it was amazing. Really, really nice. And then when I was there, you're living there sort of as a foreigner in the country and you're you're spotting all these things that they're like, oh yeah, that's just how we do things. And I'm going, that's, well, that's mental. <laughs> that's fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The same way they would see it where if they came to visit us, they'd be like, why have you got a wall between two housing states? And like, that, <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not get into this. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, so Perfect. it's, uh, no, it was good. I, I, I love gigging everywhere I went. There. Everywhere I went, if you drop me somewhere for two or three days with a backpack on, I can come up with a new set for that. So I did the same when I went to Asia. I go all over Asia and I told stories about everywhere I went and awesome. talked about what was going on in the local places when I was there. That was great. Perfectly. And then before we go to the quick fire round, because of course you're gigging tonight and you're going to have to go soon, you've got a solo gig coming up in the Deer's Head. Is there a, th- like, I mean, you know, sometimes bands have themes when they're releasing an album, releasing an EP with a story, there's a theme. Is there a theme in comedy in general? But more specifically, is there a theme in, in your one-man show coming up? Well, the theme of this is that it's actually two shows, two different shows in one weekend. So one's on Saturday, one's on Sunday. Right. So one is Fighting Fit, which is the story of the first time I signed up for. And do you know what? It's going to say it's the story of the first time I signed up for a white collar boxing. It's not. It's the story of what it was like when I came home for the last time where I, I was like, right, no more travel and I'm going to try and settle. Right. And the fucking depression that I fell into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So it was all that kind of uh, what I did to cope with what I was doing. And I signed up for a charity boxing match because it'll get me fit. I'll be helping somebody. It gives me a, a purpose and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So that's what the first show is about, fighting fit. Mm-hmm. And then the second show is a sequel to a show I've done twice already called Beer Tasting with a Comedian. What? Beer Tasting with a Comedian? Yeah. So this, no, is, but- this is now... It's it's been following the titles of uh, Die Hard, so this is Beer Hard Three, Beer Hard with a Vengeance. I've done Beer Hard and I've done Beer Harder, so this is Beer Hard with a Vengeance is the third one, and it's a show where I get up, we do a beer tasting, and then there's a game show element to the second half, which is brilliant fun. The two we've done before have been so much crack. I love it. I love it. It sounds yeah. deadly. It sounds deadly, but. I do have to throw you through the quick fire questions. Everybody gets them. Most of the time, they're usually the same. Nobody ever answers them quick fire, but that's okay. The first question Go is this. It. If you were a drink, alcohol or otherwise, what would you be? People say I'm like a can of Guinness or a pint of Guinness, I should say, because, you know, people pretend to like me. So what, if, if you were a drink, what would you be? I would be a pint of Smilics. Why is that? Uh, I'm enjoyable, but it's something an old man would drink. You know, that's what I'm just like. <laughs> I'm enjoyable. As you know what, I've got to say, I'm enjoyable, but I'm underappreciated. There you go. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> it, my dad drinks Smilix, so I'll have to tell him that one when we're up the road. Legend. Um, if you had a superpower, what would it be and what would you do with it? Superpower. Um, oh, this, I'm going to go with an easy one just to save myself a bit of money. Power flight. I've been out thousands over the years flying places <laughs> and going to see the world. So yeah, and uh, just but flying fast. I wouldn't want to be able to like, fly at the same speed of run. That's yeah. shite. Yeah. It would have to be supersonic flight to go places on the holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, think of the climate as well. I love the way you're just pushing the climate agenda as well, darn it. It's, it's, exactly, it's, it's, I know. <laughs> um, of course, of course. Hangover food, what's your go-to? You're absolutely dying. Some people, it's a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. Some people, it's a big, dirty Chinese. Others, somebody told me recently, chewing gum. 
when you're hungover. I know, I know, I know. It's wild, wild. Hangover. I would, you know what? I would really love to be like a, a trained medical profession. I'd love to figure out how to get like an IV, a saline into my arm just to save the hassle. I was at, I was at a wedding a few weeks ago in Galway and I couldn't eat until about eight o'clock that night. So Oof. the hangovers are horrendous. What happened to me, the last wedding we went to right before COVID happened before the world closed. Uh-huh. Uh, I got a horrendous hangover and I had a Burger King in the airport at like half eight. So it has to be basically anything that's, as we would say in the, in the country, just dort. I need, <laughs> dort. <laughs> yeah. Get me some dort immediately, but not immediately because the other, the last day I went into the breakfast room in the hotel and smelled the breakfast and then had to leave to be sick. So I guess <laughs> depends different, different degrees of hangovers. I should, I should be fucking old enough to know better, but I'm not sometimes. <laughs> no, nah, we never learn really, do we? You know? No, definitely not. If you were to go on a date with anybody, living or dead, who would it be and what would you do? Go on a date with anybody, living or dead. I'd love to go on a date with Elizabeth Taylor and ask her why she married the same man three times. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. It's a good answer. Yeah, that's, you know? that's the kind of emotionally damaged woman I can hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a mirror of some description? You're just like... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's not working out, so we'll we'll try again three times more. I mean... I mean yeah, and, and also, if you've ever seen Elizabeth Taylor back in the day, unbelievable. Very, unbelievable. very, very so, hot. Yeah, I love that. I love that classic Hollywood yeah. uh, look, the May West thing. Oh, oh so fair play, fair play. I agree, I agree. Uh, I can, I concur, I concur. Um, <laughs> I have a magic ball in front of me. Uh, you can play in any venue in the world. You can be supporting, you can be headlining. It can be a small gig here in Belfast. It can be Madison Square Garden. What would it be? Well, give me the lowdown. Uh, stand up. Hmm. I would really like to. Where would I do? If I was doing stand. If it was going to be like as big as you can get, I'd love to do a stand up gig in Co Park. Just stand at the hill end where <laughs> where Garth Brooks was set up and do that because I'm never getting to play football in Co Park. No. So this is going to be my only end. <laughs> Co Park or the the MCG in Melbourne in Australia, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is like a big. Amphitheater, big circular oh, cool. stadium. Cool. So, yeah, one of those. That'd be amazing to do big, massive gigs, small gigs. There's a list of like ten. There's a thing voted the ten best comedy clubs in the world. Right. I think I've done like four of them now. Woo, so like look rest. at you. Yeah, I'd like to do the rest of them. That would be pretty cool. Fair, fair. I mean, realistically, you're standing on Hill 16. You know, I mean, you'd, I just have a clatter of do- jokes about the dubs and about you know GA and Armagh. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. <laughs> I think I'm in with a shot so <laughs> you never know you never know uh, well look for anybody that's listening everybody wants to go and see you you know pump your socials here where can people find you hear you see you what is all the crack the usual stuff I, I'm still trying to figure out TikTok because I'm 37 so it's a wee bit sad that I have to learn <laughs> another another uh, form of social media Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably the handiest one Darren Max Comedian Twitter's Matthews Darren for anybody over 30 who still has a Twitter and then Darren Matthews Comedy is on Facebook. So I I think I have a TikTok, but by the love of God, I have one joke on there. And the effort it was to edit that thing. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to do more. But I will do more. And if you if you come see me at the shows in August, you can hear a bit more of my stupidity with technology. And give me the dates and the venue again, please. The dates and the venue. It's the Deer's Head and it is the 5th and 6th of August. Darren, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me.